Hello, uh, it's uh, I Book My Days podcast, and uh, uh, today our guest is uh, Kate Holland, a bookbinder from the United Kingdom. We uh, had Kate as a guest uh, uh, during our bookish talk uh, uh, some time ago, and now we invited her for for a longer longer talk. Hi, Kate. Hi, Stefan. Hi, Pavel. Yeah, and uh, Pavel <laughs> joins us from Moscow as usual. Uh, I guess I guess we need to uh, you know to to start uh, not a competition but a quiz about Pavel's uh, uh, floral elements over there because he changes them all the time. <laughs> yeah, <I guess. laughs> yeah. So the person who who will guess that uh, which which plant will appear in the next video should get a prize or something. <laughs> yeah, I guess we wanted to talk about. Uh, lots of things and uh, continue some of the discussions we uh, started uh, uh, in the previous videos and uh, but but uh, maybe the first topic i wanted to to cover or to touch uh, was uh, designer book binders as an as an organization institution mm -hmm. and uh, your role in in the designer book binders and the competitions uh, uh, that are uh, conducted by, uh, held by uh, designer bookbinders. So can you tell us a bit yeah, about it? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> so, hi again. Um, thank you for inviting me back. Um, I think we had so much to say last time. You needed to fill, find some more space for me so I could, you know, stop me talking then. Um, so, uh, yeah, designer bookbinders is a, there's two societies in the UK. Uh, dedicated to bookbinding, the Society of Bookbinders and Designer Bookbinders. And uh, Designer Bookbinders, I am I'm a member of both, but I am a fellow of Designer Bookbinders. And, we definitely uh, need to invite someone from Society of Bookbinders because we, 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 we sort of focused on Designer Bookbinders in this past month and uh, this feels really unfair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because there's some very, very good bookbinders there as well. Um, Could you talk a bit about the fellow part? Mm -hmm. How how you you became a fellow? What's the process? So and what, you, what does this mean? Yeah. So it means um, so first so so say you're you're starting out on your bookbinding journey and you're learning about fine binding and design binding, and then you ideally the the path is you you enter some competitions and you talk to some fellows and you start start building up and then you start people start looking at you and they're saying saying oh you've got potential apply to be a licentiate and so the licentiate is the sort of first step on the ladder um at the moment we have about i think off the top of my head about three or four licentiates there should be more there should be more like about 10 and you have uh, five years, I think it is, to um, keep building up your work and then you can apply, within that five years, you apply for fellowship. And for fellowship, you have to produce three design bindings and they are judged by all the fellows and then they say yes or no, whether you can become a fellow. Um, and I think, I think I, did I say there's about 30 fellows and about three licentiates? And, the reason there's so few licentiates we're, we're concerned is that there's not, I think we talked about this before, that there's no bookbinding education here in the UK. Um, mm -hmm. but there's not new people coming up from underneath. So we're, we're really trying to get out to the colleges and encourage new people. Is it is it fellowship for, for life or is it uh, for some... Uh, I think so. Part? I've got a piece of paper on the wall that no one said, take it down. <laughs> I think... You know, I think you can be uh, booted off if you disgrace yourself or, or, you you know, you have to promise to, you know, promote designer bookbinders in the correct way and, you know, not, but I think so, as long as I behave, yeah. And uh, how are functions uh, distributed among fellows? I know there is a president mm -hmm. to the society and there are a number of fellows. And what do you do as a fellow? So a part of becoming a fellow, you, you really have to agree to help with the running of the society. And um, so I think some people take more on their shoulders than others, but as is the way with all cooperatives. 
Um, uh, so uh, we have an exhibition committee, we have an education committee, we have, um, uh, I personally run the uh, UK, the DB UK bookbinding competition with um, another fellow, Sue Doggett. And that competition is, um, is only for UK based binders. And it's for anyone who works in the UK, but is not a fellow. So it's really trying to encourage new people in and, and, and get on that ladder. Um, but then there's also the international competition. And, and you, you, you have to be a resident in the UK as you have far to as be resident, you, you have to be, you have to have bound the book in the UK. Mm -hmm. you can, so if you are here and you do the binding in the UK, I believe that is still makes it still a legitimate entry because we have had people who've studied here, made the book, but then gone back to their home and um, but still managed it been eligible to enter the competition. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whereas the international competition is is open to the whole world, to fellows. Uh, that's at the Bodleian um, Library, and it's uh, organised by uh, the Getty Foundation. So that's a the big cheese. I'm the the little the petit fromage, and um, I you know we we're we're just trying to encourage. I I really like getting new people into into bookbinding. That's that's my thing. So. Yeah. And uh, how wide a net uh, have you managed to cast in terms of international uh, uh, submissions? I mean, I know people from uh, all over Europe and uh, Americas apply mm -hmm. but what about south america asia Australia? Certainly, certainly south america and i'm obviously i'm not in charge of it so i don't know who has applied this time around uh but in the past it's worldwide there's definitely there's australians um korea hong kong singapore argentina i can think of someone yeah so it's i mean it's pretty eurocentric and north america but but definitely covers covers the world and your competition, how big is it? Uh, so we've got about 100 entries this year, um, but actually that's only about 60 binders because in order to enter the competition, you have to uh, do a set book and we have the Folio Society sponsor us. So they give us all the sets of sheets for whichever book we decide we want. They, they give us a short list of titles. We pick one and then they send us sheets um to be banned and part of the rules of entering the competition is you must bind the set book uh, yeah. which i think it, it it's i think it's a really interesting thing just to see how different binders respond to the same text and i think it's a really good level playing field to um yeah i think uh, with, there's been a lot of discussion do we keep the set book do we lose the set book but um at the moment it's it's working well so is it always a literary text? Uh, yes, because the Folio Society—that's that's what they do. They they you get you know they're going to get a, a good text with uh, on good paper and with with good illustrations. So I mean it's it's a a lot of people and I I don't encourage this, but some people buy the sets of sheets because it's a cheap set of sheets to bind, and they maybe don't get it ready in time for this competition, but you'll then find it coming as an open choice in the next competition. Um, so you have to enter the set book, but then you, there's also the open choice and that is anything goes. Um, so we have a whole array of, from book arts to book sculptures, to fine bindings to, yeah. Still, surely you have some idea of what a book is. I mean, uh, they can't just do anything. And there is a lot of uh, uh, back and forth about what a book is, what a book isn't. Okay, so I, yeah, when I, when I was entering competitions, I was like, I was asking fellows, what do you feel constitutes uh, a, a winning binding, let's say, if we're gonna get competitive about it. And um, the, they say, you know, it's gotta be, <sighs> it's a fine binding it's got to be bound ideally bound in leather or vellum a cloth binding really probably wouldn't cut it it should have um sewn headbands it should have leather joints it should have doublures it should have some ideally some kind of tooling um and it's all about 
form and function, you know, that you've got to um, respond to the text. It's your artistic response to the text, but it's also technically it's got to be tip top. So it's, it's the combination of the two. And that's what what we're looking for. Does that answer the question? Yeah, we, we just we just recorded uh, a bookish talk with uh, uh, Laurie Sauer uh, just uh, 40 minutes ago. Okay. And uh, we are, uh, these, these two um, these two podcasts will be uh, separated in time by weeks, uh, but for us it's just uh, something that happened moments ago and we discussed your uh, different book structures. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so we are sort of returning from this imaginary world of experimental structures to a more strict world of uh, uh, design binding and uh, it's 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 an interesting contrast uh, for us and i guess i will recommend our viewers to to watch our talk with laurie uh, absolutely and, and laurie is judging the book is judging the competition this year so you know she's she's coming at it from a completely different angle but she still recognizes all those um strict uh, techniques that are expected but at the same time, we have a book arts prize, we have a, um, a non-leather prize, we have a paper prize, a letter, you know, there's, there's, we're, we're trying to widen the net to in encourage more people to come in because if you're starting out in bookbinding, those strict, you know, discipline, leather binding, um, gold tooling is a bit scary and, and it need, takes time to become adept enough um, so we're just trying to widen the net to encourage more people up and then hopefully they'll get bitten by the bug and, and want to study further and, and and but yes i suppose at the end of the day we are we are essentially all about fine binding do, do you know do you know of any competitions that are more accepting towards the experimental structures or something like that there is a book arts comp there's lots of book arts competitions in the uk I think one's called Turn the Page. Um, off the top of my head, I certainly um, I don't know off the top of my head, but there are yeah. book art specific competitions. And, I, and I, again, I think I talked about this about the, the it's it slightly frustrates me that the two worlds are, are slightly separate. That the book arts world and the book binding world, there's not enough crossover and. You know, we could all learn from each other, I believe, a little bit. And um, so we're trying to bring in a bit of book arts, but without upsetting the fine binders. And it would be nice if this is this arts, is card. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be nice if the book arts people, you know, might like to include us. I don't know. I'm not saying they don't. <laughs> They're all lovely. So now we know uh, what. Uh, could you talk a bit about a bit about who and where? I mean, demographically and say geographically, uh, where are uh, um, people uh, sending uh, you uh, uh, the books from? Because uh, so far we've mostly talked to bookbinders from old counties of England. Mm -hmm. I mean, surely there's something going on in Northern in, uh, in Northern Ireland, in Scotland. Can't think of anyone from Northern Ireland at the moment. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> there's certainly, I would say, the entries that geographically it, it covers the country or the mainland. And certainly, I've got ones from Scotland, from Wales, and and demographically, all age ranges and 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 all genders. And it, it really is a, a, a melting pot of. Um, and what's exciting actually this year is that we've got some new people whose names I don't recognize, but who are producing really good bindings. You know, they're working in leather and they're experimenting with tooling. And so hopefully, you know, these guys can be encouraged to become licentiates and then move up to fellowship in, in time. And uh, how young are people starting to be at the, at the level that they can think of becoming a licentiate? It depends how, when you started, how much you practice, um, but you can be in your 20s and 30s, certainly. I, might be, I was a licentiate when I was, oh dear, can I remember, 2015, when I was 30. So, and I now consider myself, I'm, I, I feel like I'm one of the younger bookbinders still. We need, we need some younger ones, please. 
Uh, we've been dying to talk to the uh, oldest uh, fellow uh, of, of your society. So far, uh, his, uh, uh, the, uh, this interview has been evading us, but how old are, are, are the people who participate in those kind of competitions? How old do people generally work in bookbinding? Uh, well, the joy of bookbinding is that people keep going until they <laughs> drop dead, you know? <laughs> as, long as, as long as your hands work, and you, you know, it's 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 still a thing. Um, so there's definitely a lot of people take up bookbinding when they retire. So you know, they've only just started learning when they retire at 65, 70. So they're entering competitions in their late 70s, 80s. You know, and it's completely legitimate. And there's and as you say, there's plenty of professional binders still working in their 70s. Certainly, I can think of. And I think, yeah, Bernard Middleton was still working in his 80s. I think. So this was a bit of strange uh, of a year uh, because of uh, lockdowns, COVID and all these things. And uh, I understand that the international competition was postponed uh, a bit. Uh, uh, what, what about uh, um, the competition that you are in charge of, uh, the, the British uh, competition? And uh, what are the, how, how the COVID, how COVID influenced uh, all the things? Uh, uh, a lot, <laughs> it has been frustrating. Uh, we did, I suppose we, uh, we'd made the decision about three years ago to go biennial because partially because we were clashing with the Society of Bookbinders competition and we were seeing the numbers dropping off and we were worried that maybe it was the SOB competition causing that or, I, you know, maybe it's the lack of people, uh, education or so. Anyway, we decided to go biennial. And that should have happened last year, um, but then COVID came along. Mm -hmm. uh, so then we moved it to, then it was going to be in uh, February, the judging, we moved it to. We thought at least we'll give it seven, eight months, surely we'll be okay by then, no problem. Um, and so now we're looking at judging in, in April, so we've had to move it again, and that's the very earliest that our government is is looking at releasing us enough to allow this to happen. Um, so uh, the judging is the problem because you have to judge all the books in person. Yeah. So I've got I've got one of the main judges is judging by Zoom, but she's going to have a uh, her own um, assistant. You know, there handling the books, talking about the books to her as she can see them through the that she has to do that because she's shielding. Um, but yes, the, it was imperative to us that, that at least one or two judges were here in person um, to judge it. You can't do it through a screen. You know, it's some books photograph so much better than others. And it's all down to the, you know, the how good the photographer was as, as to whether, it, you know, the book looks good. And so it's, um, you, you have to see them in person and handle them and, and see if, how they work and how they function. And because we're looking at the function as much as, as the form. So you can't see that from a single still photograph. And will there be a short list and then uh, the winner? How does that work? So we're going to put up um, all of the entries uh, in an anonymous catalogue about a week before the judging. So everyone can see all of the entries. So it's like a sort of pre-exhibition. Um, and all, and then we also, all the sponsors of the prizes, they judge their own prizes. So they're all gonna receive that catalog as well. And they personally can choose their own shortlist. So that on judging day, I will have a, a Zoom interview with each of them. And they can say, show me this, 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 and this book. You know, they'll have a shortlist of five. So, but the main judges will have to come here in person to, to see the books. But, and then after they've judged, we'll, um, two weeks after the judging, we'll have a, an awards ceremony. We've just expanded it to 300 attendees on Zoom. So you guys, I'm sure there'll be space. Um, and, um, and then we'll announce the winners at that and, um, and then post up an, a, renewed exhibition which shows you the names and the prize winners 
I wanted to attend uh, some sort of uh, designer bookbinders event for quite some time, and it always was was an, was an issue for me because I need to to get a visa to go to the UK. Unlike sure. uh, this citizens of of the European Union, I, I'm I'm a Russian citizen, <laughs> so so it's it's much harder for me. And British visas are very expensive, and well, it's usually usually just not reasonable for me to get visa. Uh, but yeah, this time at least I have a chance. Yeah. So there are some upsides to COVID, you know, yeah. we, we suddenly we get to meet people from all over the world. And um, yeah. I've had so much more interaction with people, you know, all over the world since, since lockdown. And you can attend seminars and classes and, you know, do live video links. And it's, it's great. I hope, it, you know, that aspect will, I hope will keep. Well, some things will definitely change, and uh, uh, compared to what was before before lockdown. <laughs> yeah. Could you talk a bit more about the sponsors? You've mentioned uh, the Folio mm -hmm. Society already. I can see what's their interest. Mm -hmm. Who are other companies? The Folio Society they they sponsor the, the 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 sets of sheets, and they also sponsor two prizes: the set book first and second prize. Um, then we have the Cloth Workers Company, who is one of the big London guild, one of the big guilds. They sponsor the Open Choice first and second. Um, they then uh, will exhibit the their winning book is exhibited at Cloth Workers um, in in the centre of London, as a, and they've got a big collection of design bindings in their library there. But they're also really good at. Um, They've been funding us to go out and, and teach in art colleges. They've funded me to go and teach at West Dean on the conservation course there to teach bookbinding. So they're really interested in, in promoting and helping um, uh, the, spreading the word about bookbinding. And then we've got the other prizes we've got. I suppose there's a Shepherd's, you're going to test me now, aren't you? Shepherd's Book Arts, uh, Ratchford's Non-Leather, uh, Harmattan Leather, they, I think theirs is the, um, what was it? Anyway, it's the, it's the, uh, the good handling of the leather, because you know how quite often you see people and they've got thumbprints and they've got yeah. big holes in the pairing, and so Harmattan is the handling. I really want to invite Mark to our podcast as well to, to show around uh, his, his production facilities and, and talk about making leather and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, and also with the other big leather suppliers is Hewitt's. Um, so, and a lot of people use their leathers for dyeing because they, they produce a lot of the, the, the fair calf and the alum tord. So they've, mm -hmm. they're, they're the interesting use of leather. And then um, we've got, so that we did have the St. Bride's finishing prize, but it's now just been renamed the Bernard Middleton um, finishing prize. Mm -hmm. um and i don't know there's there's lots and lots i think it's about 20 different ones mags brothers are big um book dealers and then there's various ones named after book binders from the past which have been sponsored you know through um bequests after after their death they've they've left money to sponsor prizes in their name so we've got a elizabeth greenhill gold tooling and sally lou smith forwarding and yeah so we would try and not spread you know try and spread the wet web wide net wide but um without but still keeping it in under control so this is an absolutely massive uh, undertaking it must be uh, take lots a uh, lot of your time the organizing yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my fifth bookbinding competition uh if we do a tour of the studio, maybe later, you can yeah. see the big pile of books at the end of my studio, which means I can't get to my sink at the moment because uh, it's covered. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, 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 I curse it and I love it, but you know, I, there's, um, I think it's a worthwhile thing to do. And, you know, I think, you know, as much as we, we do things for ourselves and make money for ourselves, being doing things voluntary and, and helping others and in, encouraging um, other people to, to take it up is, is as rewarding, really, isn't it? And you guys do this for the love, really, don't you? Well, yeah. And for the fun of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, how, how long has uh, this competition been running? 
Oh, uh, I think it started in the 1950s. I can tell you exactly, 1955. And I'll read out the initial uh, reason it was established was to encourage students, craftsmen and apprentices of bookbinding to produce originally designed and well-bound books and to give them the opportunity to exhibit their technical and artistic skills. So we've, we've really gone back to that students and apprentices aspect of it and we're really just trying to get in new young blood and that's we've gone back to the, the, the original it's not meant to be a selling exhibition it's not meant to be a place where collectors fight over books it's meant to be about the new bods i guess uh, the attitude towards uh, design bindings and book binding in general has changed quite a bit since uh, 1950s 1960s uh, did the competition change as well along the along I, this in the way? 1950s you know back in the 70s they, they'd have hundreds of entries they would be exhibited at when i first entered the competition it was exhibited at the british library and there'd be about 200 entries and i think they had exhibitions at the victoria and albert so i would say actually it was more success more popular then and it is still popular now. People really respect it as a competition. Um, but I think uh, society respected bookbinding more then than it does now or recognised it. So, um, well, you know, we'll keep banging the drum and we'll get there. I'm, I'm not sure mm -hmm. if, if it's about respect or maybe about uh just knowing about knowledge yeah yeah awareness yeah awareness yeah i i, I was looking for this word thank you Pavel. <laughs> yeah i was wondering what kind of uh, uh press coverage do you get who is still interested in in those kind of things <laughs> i mean is it purely, i mean is it purely niche publications and and journals so do you uh, do, uh, do you get uh, London press? It is a London competition. Uh, well, at the moment it's not. It's a Somerset competition because it's in my workshop. <laughs> <laughs> Normally it's a London competition. Um, and uh, yeah, press. It's, we get, it's pretty specialist, the coverage. It's, uh, I've actually got the guy who is the UK correspondent for fine books and collections, who's going to write a piece about it, which is more an American publication. So I'm hoping that with a bit of that, but it doesn't really get into the general press. Um, maybe I could put it on my list of things to do is, is send out a, um, uh, it's it promoting stuff and, and PR and people love it, the press love it, but yeah, it's time. I'll, I'll try harder. Uh, does the, the society have uh, uh, any kind of uh, uh, public relations people affiliated with it, or is it purely through your own social network? It's, we, we have social media. We have Hannah Brown, who does all our social media, so she does a brilliant job. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we have our own newsletters and then the new bookbinder, which is a very respected journal that comes out every year. Um, but no, we don't have a PR department or even you know we don't employ a PR person you know we're yeah. I mean would you like to is it just that you've never got to it or is it too expensive I think for to be you? honest we've, we've had one in the past and it proved expensive and very little results <laughs> this was my memory of it okay yeah this happens yeah. <laughs> So uh, you, uh, with, with, the, with the British competition, where you went uh, biennial uh, and now you have to postpone. Does it mean that uh, the next competition will be next year or in two years? Well, what are the current Luckily, plans? the Society of Bookbinders also have to postpone their, their competition okay. per year. So we still alternate. Okay. Um, and then the, the international competition is also this year. Um, well, the hand-in is this year and then the announcement is next year. But the international competition is triennial or? I think four years. I think it's four years. Okay. Four. Yeah. Maybe it's three. Okay. Shouldn't I? Yeah. yeah I, 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 maybe I mess up because I know that open set uh, in, in, the, in the States is triennial and uh, well, 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the uh, designer book binders competition right right now. There's a lot of competitions. This is the problem. Well, not enough book binders to enter them. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a bit of a problem. But uh, many of the book binders I, I I know who who want to participate in competitions or who participate in competitions are ready to you know to take part in more than one uh, per oh. year. So, well, that's that's lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's good if they have time. But then we've also talked to a few people who said competitions never again, <laughs> well, because it's it could it can be stressful and it's a big investment of time. It's an investment of time, and uh, I I like having that. I like having the the tight deadline. I it just makes it gets your juices flowing faster, and um, it. Um, it's a great platform for people to find out about you, certainly when you're starting out. You know, if you haven't built up a reputation yet, it's a really good platform for people to see you. Um, I've never opened, entered the open set. Um, you know, I haven't quite got around to doing that. You, you do have to slightly pick your competitions, I think. Um, you obviously can't do them all. And speaking of platforms, uh, I was wondering, once you are established uh, as a bookbinder, once you have a flow of clients, etc., uh, what would be the appropriate stage for you to, uh, to enter? What kind of uh, exhibition uh, would that be? Uh, competition would that be? What, what sort of a, a, the entry level? I no, I mean like the the top tier bookbinders. Uh, what's the Olympics of bookbinding? What, internationally? Yeah. Well, I'm going to say the DB International Competition, of course, because I am biased. Um, but, you know, there's amazing ones. There's uh, the French one, which I can't remember the name of, which has been going for a long time. Um, there's the Open Set, which is quite new, but that attracts some really important uh, names. It, competitions, are, they're a bit of a lottery. You know, you get some really, really good binders. And they don't win anything and that maybe that's why you don't enter because it's really damaging to the ego to, to you're putting yourself out there in public and you've just got to suck it up you know and 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 pick yourself up and 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 get on and and you're, you're publicly being humiliated i suppose because it certainly happened to me once or twice and you're like oh okay all right and you've got to pick yourself up and come back bigger and stronger next time around then, especially in those very big competition, not everyone can be a winner. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, in photography, even in wildlife photography, there is this National Geographic competition. Mm -hmm. I mean, they get tens of thousands of entries and even the very best photographers win maybe once in their, in their life. Yeah. There is also, the, uh, I think, the social aspect of it all. Uh, 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 is there some event in the end where all, all, all the binders can come and uh, talk to each other? Yeah, no, so uh, certainly around the, the UK one, normally we have, you know, drinks and a private view and, and everyone crams into a room and they drink some warm white wine and, you know, they're, they're allowed out. And um, and the international is a bit more glamorous. They have, it's at the Bodleian Library and uh, there's a dinner beforehand where the, the prize winners meet the collectors and you know it's a, but yeah I don't know if you guys uh, get out much but uh, I, my uh, experience of bookbinders is they're quite a, a solitary bunch and they they work on their own uh, and and they're you know it's it's nice to get out and, and talk to people that's this is why this uh, podcast is so great to, to you know have someone to talk to about bookbinding. So you mentioned some things about it, but can you talk a bit more about your personal experience of uh, taking part in, in uh, designer bookbinders competition and maybe in, in some other competitions? I don't know if, if you took part in other competitions as well. Um, so um, the and, and fails as well. I know. I'm thinking. Oh, what? <laughs> what shall I say? What shall I admit to? Um, uh, my experience of entering DB competitions, the, the UK one, um, 
has been great for me. You know, the, I won, I suppose the first time I entered, I didn't get anything, but it was just a joy to see your book being exhibited in a central London venue and to meet other bookbinders and for them to say, you know, it's okay, don't worry about it, but keep going. There's something there, you know, you're, it's worth you persevering. And then I think the second competition, I won the lettering prize, which then that the prize for that was a commission. So that was my first commission, a uh, proper commission. And then I, and then you sort of work your way up and then you get a second prize. And then I, one year I got the, the Mansfield medal, which is what, that's what you're aiming for, which is the best book in the competition. And most fellows, certainly of DB, will have got that at some point in their time. Um, and then after you've got that, and you, then you sort of, you sort of, you know, you've, you've hit the heights. It's hard to go back and <laughs> not get it again. So, but I did, I did enter again. And and it's also part of the, um, if you're a licentiate, you're sort of expected to enter it, um, so so that people. Um, can see that you're progressing and and still um, improving. The and then the international competition I've entered. I suppose I've entered three times. And the first time I entered, my book didn't even get chosen for the exhibition, and I was gutted because I was like, I thought this is great, this is outrageous. How dare you! And then you know the second one, it was it was in the exhibition, and then the last one I got a silver prize, which is the sort of I think there's fifteen or twenty silver prizes. Um, and Society of Bookbinders, I have entered once or twice and got nothing. You know, mm -hmm. I, who knows why? And and that's about it. I think that's about it. I haven't entered here. Yeah. So no no competitions from from other countries. No, I don't think so. No, I think they've always been UK based. Uh, uh, Scotland, I have the Elizabeth Souter exhibition up in Scotland, which seems to always have a lot of Spanish winners, strangely. But um, it's, uh, yeah, no, but I will open set. That's on my list. Yeah, yeah. Do you yourself keep, uh, keep an eye on what's going on worldwide? Do you uh, uh, look through the catalogs of uh, uh, exhibitions and competitions from Europe. Yeah, absolutely, because it's interesting to see what people are doing and what's going on in the bookbinding world. But I don't, not so much, because I think it's. I I really like to. Not. I think it's really hard not to soak up these influences from other bookbinders. You'll see something and go, oh my God, that's great. And then in about a year's time, you'll find yourself doing that exact same thing. And so it's, I, I try, I do look at bookbinding uh, exhibitions and catalogues, but um, I don't look at them in order to get ideas. Um, I, I look at them out of interest, more, more to say, how on earth did they do that? You know, that's that's always the, you know, you look at a picture and you're like, oh, I like that effect, or I like that, you know, and you try and store it in your memory bank, but but obviously not replicate it. I think it's better, better to look for your influences in, in the, the, the wider world. And for you, that wider world would be? Uh, everything and anything. I mean, it's, you know, it's fashion or music or film or nature or art or, you know, and I couldn't specify where I go and get my I think the joy of the mobile phone the mo, you know having that camera in your pocket is as you're walking I, what I would like in my life is to have a camera in my head so that every time you see something you're like got it just like that as you saw it because whenever you get your phone out and you take a picture it's never quite the same it's not as you remember it but if you could if someone could invent that that would be good well, I guess we have to wait uh, some 20 years and we'll have stuff like that yeah, <laughs> in <well>. our heads. <laughs> it definitely goes this way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll be AI, transhumans making making leather-bound books. Yeah, with new Luddites and uh, all that stuff, uh, people rejecting the new technologies and breaking the machines or something. <laughs> It'll be fun. Could you talk a bit about the current licensees of the society, uh, who they are, what they do? I think I'm right in saying there's three of them. Um, there's Richard Beadsmore, Glenn Malkin, and Gillian Stewart. And 
Glenn and Richard are both applying for fellowship this year, I happen to know. I think it's okay for me to say that. Um, Gillian obviously feels not quite ready, but um, the, th the, the issue is if, if Glenn and Richard become fellows, then we've got one licentiate and we really, really need more, more in that bracket. Um, Gillian's young and from Scotland and, and I think Glenn, and Glenn is a professional bookbinder and I think Richard took it up in, in semi-retirement. So they're, they're, they're a, a range. Yeah, I I I know uh, I know Glenn uh, uh, at least uh, on on Facebook, and uh, he does mm -hmm. some, some amazing stuff. I I, I don't uh, uh, the other two names are not familiar to me, but it, this, this means no, this means nothing. But <laughs> because uh, uh, yeah, you know, um, book is a small world, but then you suddenly discover something like wow, did, how did I never know about this person? So it is. Yeah, yeah, this this definitely happens, uh, and, and then I, I always have problems with names. So uh, yeah, maybe maybe I saw their work, but uh, I just uh, don't recognize names. And uh, but uh, our our viewers are free to you know to browse the internet and uh, search for for their works. Hmm. And uh, which I've just uh, done, and I'm I'm very impressed. Uh, all, all, all all three of them are very. They're I'm really very good book finders. Yeah, yeah, they're very very. Able. So, how are you planning to look for more licentiates? Oh, well, what can you do? What can you do? We've got so we've got a um, a program called Transferring Design, and that's been sponsored by the cloth workers. And so we've got there's about five of us who've gone into art colleges and book arts, or uh, I teach at the at West Dean, I teach book conservation students there, and I've been to University of the West of England and another fellows. And, and then I've then since then had about five or six students come from that, you know, introduction to book binding. They've come then to my workshop and we've done a sort of the next stage. And but it's all been uh, subsidized. All the their fees have been subsidized by this program. Um, and I've now got two uh, weeks of tuition coming up here. Um, one is a sort of my, it's called my first leather binding. So, you know, you've been doing your multi-section rounding and backing, but actually then moving on to, to covering in leather. So I'm trying to, you know, get this, uh, simplify it so that it's not scary. Um, and then I'm also doing a week of advanced, um, you know, aspects of fine binding. So looking at, Headbanding and leather joints and blurs and things like that and inlays and onlays, uh, but these the, all these this I'm, I'm just talking about myself. I'm not sure what other fellows who are on this program are doing at the moment because of because of the lockdown. Um, but yeah, so I'm 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 hoping that from after this program, one or two people will then go on to say, oh, I've got enough confidence to apply, you know, to enter at the competition. It is a it's a long slow process. It is, um, but you know, even if you get one or two more new people, it will be worth it. And yeah, Instagram is great. You know, they 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 the I put up. I'm running a class. I've been inundated with people who want to come and learn because there, there's as I there's so many easy basic bookbinding. You know, one day workshops or but there's not very much after you've got that done that first initial learning. That's exactly what I wanted uh, uh, to ask you next. How do you approach your, uh, constructing your course? I mean, it's not just coming and showing something that will come up. Uh, how, do you how do you plan it? How do you structure it? Um, well, when, I, when I do the sort of basic bookbinding week, I teach um, city and guilds for shepherds and um, I do their unit, you know, I do their unit 118, unit 119, is um, the, there's a week which is basic bookbinding, which is sort of single section pamphlets, and then it's uh, multi-section rounding and backing, and it, it covers um, plowing, case, it's all case bindings. And then I think the next stage is um, sketchbooks. I've, I've been teaching in within that format, but I can see ways of, and then there's also an introduction to leather week, uh, when they do a half leather binding and a full leather binding, I think off the top of my head. 
but they're still case bindings. They're not um, with boards attached. So um, I've actually devised a course, which I'm actually doing this course for the first time. So well, I can report back if it was successful, but I think it should be, I devised a way of covering in leather, which is not a case binding, but it's not a fine binding. It still has a, it has a hollow, it has boards attached, but using the fray knot board attachment, they're not laced on boards. And um, it's a three quarter hollow, three quarter, three off, three quarter on, three off hollow. Um, and it just seems to be, a, it just seems to simplify the covering in leather um, process without it being a case binding. Do you also teach the design aspect of uh, designable binding? Because that's uh, the most uh, difficult to to uh, uh, transfer from one person to another. How do you design so an interesting I, I struggle personally with being a designer, bookbinder, because I, I wasn't allowed to do art at school. I was told I had to do needlework. And um, so, uh, and I've always, everyone says, oh, you're so creative, you're an artist. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not. I'm an artisan. I'm a craftsperson, I'm not an artist, but increasingly as I've, I've then gone and had to go and get evening classes in, in drawing and painting, I'm doing a graphic design course, just to build up my confidence to say, yes, I can design stuff. You know, you don't need to have an education in it necessarily. You need to have an eye and you need to have open eyes and an open mind and just to soak everything up and process it and come out with something and you're right you can't teach that you can give people techniques to help them and you can give them um you know if they say uh, i want to do this you can say well you can use this process to achieve that or you can use that process and you can show them how to do those techniques but no you can't magically give them you know the secret to great design I, well i can't i'm not a, a teacher of design oh. uh, a few a few of my uh, friends teach design in uh, uh, in uh, moscow universities and it's almost always about process because like speaking a language the only way to learn how to design things is to design things mm -hmm. So they uh, uh, so they uh, they give different scenarios and see what what people come up with and those that have taste whatever that is mm -hmm. usually go uh, go and go furthest which is why also it's very rarely really young people who succeed in in this field because until you've seen lots and lots and lots of uh, uh, different kinds of art, and not just art, mm. Archit uh, architecture, nature. Until you've uh, you've seen a lot, it's it's so it's so it's so difficult to draw from what you have. No, it's interesting. You do you need life experience, I think, and you need to have soaked up as much and and and, and lived. You need to have. Um, I was going to say something. That's why I was going to say. I, I, Mark Cockrum, Studio Five, who I think you guys have talked to in the past. I think I, the first day I went to see him, he'd he'd pick me up from um, well, pick me up. That's not quite the right phrase. Um, he'd come to see my <laughs> exhibition at um, London College of Printing, and I'd won the prize for the best bookbinding student that year. And he said, oh, I think you should come and see me. I think you've got potential to be a designer bookbinder. And I arrived and I said, oh, I can't do art. I can't do design. I wasn't allowed to do art, you know. And, and he said, look, you've chosen the clothes that you're wearing. You've matched the colors. You know, you've, you've got something in your brain. Or everyone has, you know, you've chosen different elements and put them together. Uh, and well, and that's all it is, really, isn't it? And it, and and how you do it, you can be taught, you know, the golden triangle rule, or you be, can be taught the rule of three, or the you know this or that. But you still, I think, you do still need to have some sort of innate curiosity. I think maybe is the right word. Is that is, is that you're always exploring and asking why and and questioning and and wanting to know more and um 
yeah and then and then and usually in the middle of the night at three o'clock in the morning something will coagulate and come out do you have any process to collect those ideas do you have like a journal or maybe an app you use i wish i could say i had an amazing sketchbook look at this wonderful sketchbook with all these i love artist sketchbooks and i'm not disciplined enough to do that uh, I have a phone, which I take pictures on all the time. And uh, I have then, uh, when I have time, I will then upload them onto the computer and put them in under texture or shape or color or, you know, so each, but um, most of the time it's just in my head. It's all, I mean, it's not a very helpful thing to say, but it's it's all sort of in there. and. And cutting, I suppose, cutting things out of magazines, sticking, I have got a folder of things I've cut out of magazines, but again, I'm not very disciplined at it. And um, yeah. The good thing is, even when you uh, think you've forgotten something, it's in there somewhere yeah, yeah. and it will pop up. Yeah, and you, you don't even know that it's popped up. You don't even where it came from or, it is scrolling through your old photographs on your phone is, is an interesting exercise because you'll suddenly see something like, wow, that is, that's cool. I can use, you know, and, and quite, and, and sort of approaching design is whether do you, sometimes I have a design in mind that I know will work for a book cover. I then got to find the right book to work for that design. Or, you know, other times you've got, you start with the book and then you've got to go out and research around it and, um, and, and, and work that way around. It's, um, I got either, you know, I, it go works both ways. And when you say research, is it mostly internet, or do you have like uh, not library at home? I mean, mm -hmm. do the internet is an amazing research tool. It is, you know, you really have got access to pretty much everything. But then it is, it is, you know, Google has got its little fingers all, you know, in, in your life, and and you know, it's not giving you the whole picture and. Um, uh, and it gets got, curated more and more curated, with exactly. your searches. And, yeah. and, and, and I really, it's like watching Netflix. You're like, everyone's going, it's amazing. It's got so much choice. You can watch anything. And you look at it and you're like, no, no, it's not. It's, it's so, such a narrow uh, tranche of, of entertainment and art and film that is, that is put up by Netflix. And it looks broad, but um, as you say, it's, it is curated by them. Um, so no, I've got some reference books here. I've got some art books, but uh, I usually start with the internet and then quite often I use Abe books a lot, which is a sort of secondhand bookshop and, and just buy rubbish old copies of books because there's, looking at books is, is as helpful as looking at the internet, if not more, I think. But I'm biased as you probably are. Um. Okay, I guess I guess that's it for 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 this episode of our podcast. So uh, thank you very much to all of our viewers and our members of our community. I'd like to also say thanks to uh, our patrons on Patreon who uh, give us their money to to spend on editing of these videos and uh, probably in the future on. Uh, uh, other language uh, versions uh, of our podcast at least uh, we plan to start french and spanish uh, versions and we'll need some money on translation and all that stuff so uh, please join the crowd uh, the link uh, to patreon is in the description below um, and uh, well see you next time thank, thank you. you bye bye bye